Welcome to In the Loop, a podcast working in cooperation with Suffolk University's Center for Community Engagement. The views and opinions expressed on In the Loop do not reflect the opinions of Suffolk University, the Center for Community Engagement, or Suffolk Votes. I'm Cam Sweeney, a junior at Suffolk University, majoring in political science with a concentration in public policy and law. And I'm Andrew Gomes, a freshman at Suffolk University, majoring in political science with a concentration in American politics and a minor in international relations. All right, and now on the Massachusetts ballot questions in this past election, uh, which one and four did pass. And the reason why we're only touching upon one and four is because most voters sort of did not have a good understanding entirely of what two and three entailed. But two did pass, three did not. Um, That is besides the point. So on question one, which got a 52% in favor vote, it was the fair share amendment or the millionaire's tax as it has been titled. Um, It puts an extra 4% on tax on any state resident's personal income if it is over a million dollars. And it's estimated to raise an additional $1.5 billion to be used for education and transportation purposes. And we can also talk about question four, which was more controversial, to say the least, to many voters. But it was voted with a 54% in favor kept in place legislation that was vetoed by Governor Baker allowing undocumented immigrants to apply for a driver's license if they can provide a foreign passport or consular identification document. The legislation aims to improve road safety by ensuring that drivers pass a driving test, have insurance, and a license to drive. From there, we'll move right on to the really, really big midterm elections where I think everyone can pretty confidently say no one knew what was going to happen going into it. Um, Democrats certainly outperformed what they were expected to do. And while the composition of the House of Representatives is still up in the air, um, we now know that the Senate will stay in control of the Democratic Party, and that's largely due to Senate wins in three key battle states, those are Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Arizona. Uh, Georgia is going off into a runoff, but regardless of how that race goes, Democrats have 50 seats in the Senate, and because there's a Democratic vice president, that's enough to give them a majority. This is really due to largely unprecedented turnout of young voters for a midterm cycle. The exit polls that we have showed that voters under 30 made up 12% of all votes cast. And according to reporting done by The Hill, that may be the second highest young voter turnout in the past 30 years. In swing states, that turnout is estimated to be around 31%, which is a really statistically noticeable jump from the average of 20% when we look at um, those same rates in previous midterms. And I also want to bring attention to the Secretary of State races that we witnessed this past election cycle. Out of all of them who were election denier candidates on the Republican side, only Diego Morales, a Republican from Indiana, was successful in his race, while candidates in Michigan, Arizona, Minnesota, and New Mexico were defeated by their Democratic challengers. We also should talk about the lame duck session of Congress starting today. Government funding is is a number one priority, sorry, as appropriators face a December 16th deadline before a potential shutdown. Other key legislation includes Ukraine aid, same-sex marriage, electoral college reform, and a potential debt limit boost will also be debated during the remainder of the 117th Congress. Uh, And a lot of this is really hugely up in the air, especially because we we don't yet know what the composition of 
the House or the Senate will look like. There's still a runoff going on in Georgia that will determine um, if that seat's going to the Republican or Democratic Party. Um, and the House still hasn't been called for either party, which is leading to a very interesting leadership race on both sides. Now, on the discussion of these remaining House races that seem to be still up in the air, it's important that we look at California's congressional races as well. Um, a lot of them have not been called, and most of that is due partially or mostly to the fact that uh, they're all voter mail-in ballots. And as we've seen uh, since the 2020 election to now, voter mail-in ballots tend to be more democratic. So it's sort of implicating and suggesting that a lot of these remaining votes will tend to be more democratic than Republican. So that sort of will close the margin, though it still seems like it's up in the air sort of of who's going to control the House. And I think that's playing a really big role in um, the reason why Speaker Pelosi hasn't made any public statements about her intentions regarding whether or not she's going to stay as the House Democratic leader. Um, We do know that the Democrats have slated that schedule. We'll hold those elections on November 30th, uh, but Speaker Pelosi hasn't stated either way whether or not she'll be staying, um, staying in that race and trying to keep control of the House Democratic caucus. Uh, And the Republicans um, under Kevin McCarthy, the current minority leader, are having this equal struggle where Kevin McCarthy is trying to keep enough votes to keep control of his own caucus. Um, We now know that this is not the red wave that um, certainly Kevin McCarthy was hoping for. I know uh, in a press conference before he said that 60 or 70 seats were up for grabs, and we now know that if there is going to be a Republican majority in the House, it's going to be a very narrow majority. And this is creating a scenario where the Freedom Caucus or the conservative wing of the party and the more moderate wing of the Republican Party are kind of at equal power. And there's a number of different things that Kevin McCarthy is negotiating with the conservative wing. in order to hold on to the speakership. And one of these, um, probably the most significant one, is reinstating the motion to vacate the chair. This is a motion that was formerly in the House of Representatives where any member could issue a motion to remove the Speaker of the House. This kind of gained notoriety when Representative Meadows used it to put in process the motion to oust Speaker Boehner, which eventually led to his resignation. This is a Huge thing that many in the Freedom Caucus want reintroduced. Obviously, Kevin McCarthy does not want that, um, given Speaker Boehner's fate. And the other big thing is pushing for the direct election of committee chairs. As of right now, the Speaker of the House is able to exert power and influence by selecting who receives committee chairmanships. Many in the Freedom Caucus want a general weakening of the speakership, allowing anyone to remove them and allowing committee members to elect committee chairs as opposed to the Speaker of the House. And also, it's important that we note that in the Senate Republicans, there's sort of this disagreement on when they actually want to hold their elections for leadership. Uh, Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, and Ron Johnson, just to name a few, have stated that they do not believe that elections for the Senate leadership in the Republican side should be held this early. And Graham even stated over a tweet recently that he believes that it's sort of disrespectful to Herschel Walker, given the fact that the Georgia runoff is on December 6th. So he sort of believes that it would be too soon and not representative of the entire Republican 
caucus? It's there's certainly a really um, tense moment as a lot is still up in the air. This is now a week or two after election day. We still don't know what party is going to be in control of Congress. Um, so ideally, next week we'll have um, a bit more known about Nancy Pelosi's future as House Democratic leader, um, more about where the Republican Party stands on their leadership elections. Um, but until then, thank you for listening, and we hope to see you next week.